Welcome to the Habits and Hustle podcast, a podcast that uncovers the rituals, unspoken habits, and mindsets of extraordinary people. A podcast powered by Habit Nest. Now here's your host, Jennifer Cohen. Thank you for coming on Habits Nest, Darshan. And I, he is the CEO and medical director of Next Health, which specializes in optimizing your health and longevity. And he's also a good friend of mine, and he's extremely knowledgeable of anything and everything under the health umbrella. And um, thank you for being on here yet again. This is your second visit at Habits and Hustle. So thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure. Love it. Uh, so let's start. I mean, I'm sure you've been asked the same questions like a bazillion times because now we're, we're all quarantined with everything going on with COVID-19. Um, but let's go, let's start with just generally like overall health, your immune system. I think people keep on hearing about like having a strong immune system is extremely important right now. Why don't we start with the basics? Like what is the immune system and how can we optimize our immune system and stay healthy in this time? Yeah, that's a really good point, Jen, because a lot of people, you know, we talk about the immune system and no one really understands exactly what that means unless you've taken some intense biochemistry or, you know, biology um, right. and you remember a lot of it. But for the people that do remember a little bit of it, your immune system actually has a lot of different components to it. There is, first of all, there's two major categories of your immune system. One is called your innate immunity and one is called your adaptive immunity. And your innate immunity is just your body's ability to aggressively fight off a, a disease or a virus as soon as it gets inside of you. Mm. So the first, the first part of your innate immunity is really just like a barrier to the outside world. So that includes your gut, your skin, your mucous membranes, other pieces of that. And that's just, that's 99% of the battle, just not letting something in in the first place. Um, and the correlator to that that everyone needs to know is that your gut is most of that barrier function. If you took your, if you took all the cells in your gut and you laid them out, you know, you know, your gut kind of wraps around your intestines, wrap around itself. Mm -hmm. and there's, like, there's like, you know, many, many yards of intestine inside of you. Well, inside your intestines, there's, there's uh, folds and then those folds have folds as well. And every cell wow. has folds. So if you took your entire gut and you spread it out, it's like the, the surface area of a tennis court. So that's why 75 to 80% of your immune system lives in your gut. And that's why it's so important to have a healthy gut so that you maintain a strong immune system. Because if that barrier is not functioning well, it's going to really overtax your immune system and cause a lot of inflammation inside of you. So that's one big component of the immune system. And secondly, you have the other part of your innate immunity, which is your macrophages and other cells that immediately attack bacteria and viruses. And then the important part, the part that is really, you know, has a spotlight on it right now is called your adaptive immunity. And that's your ability to fight this virus off for a long time. It's your ability to make antibodies or immune globulins to the virus. So if this thing were to come back inside of you, you can kill it immediately and not have to go through a sickness phase, right? Oh, that's what vaccines are all about, right? So right. there's different pieces of your immune system and there's different... Um, there's different biology and different ways to keep each one of them healthy. Okay, so then let's start with um, how to keep the, both of them healthy. So let's start with the first yeah. one that you mentioned. And yeah. before, wait, before we even talk about that, 
Um, when people always say, like, I think when they don't even sometimes know exactly what they're talking about, they're like, I think I, ha I have a weak immune system. I have a strong immune system. Are there ways to even tell if you have a strong immune system, if you have a weak immune system? Like, what are some like symptoms of either or both? Yeah. So, I mean, I think I think, um, like you said, people say those things and they're really basing it on just how often they get sick. Right. Right. And really, how often you get sick has much, much more to do with your lifestyle than has anything to do with the weakness or the strength of your immune system. Okay, so, so yeah, we do have measurements of your immune system. We can measure your white blood cell count. We can measure interleukin levels. We can measure these different blood markers. But really, you have to be really, really sick with some sort of autoimmune disease or immune suppressive disease before we see any of those, you know, be off, right? Yeah. Um, or if you have like an active infection going on. But really, just just how you live your life is is going to determine 90% of how weak or strong your immune system is. That's interesting because, you know, like I, I feel like I always say I have a weak immune system because I feel like I get, if someone is sick within three feet of me and I, I, I smell them, I'll get sick. You know, and, you know, like I'll get sick in a, in a, in a heartbeat. And then Noah, you know, my husband, right. he's as strong as a bull, you know, like he, he can stay up until, you know, five o'clock in the morning, every single morning and go, go, go super high energy, never get sick. If yeah. that was me, I'd be sick in, in three days. So, <laughs> you know, so I, I assume that was more like, because I have a weak immune system and he has a strong immune system and you're saying yeah. not really. Yeah, probably not really. There's no, there's no real evidence to that. I think there, there's, um, I think there's a lot of um, genetic variation and person to person variation and how quickly your immune system can react. Mm -hmm. And depending on how quickly your immune system can react is going to make a huge difference between whether or not you get sick, right? So mm -hmm. like I said before, like if your innate immunity is super on point and, and ready to go, you're going to fight off something before you even get any symptoms at all. And, you know, we're seeing that a lot with coronavirus, actually. We're seeing a lot of people asymptomatic, didn't even know they had it, that have developed antibodies to it. And it's it's really interesting how many people are um, are not getting sick from the virus more than, than more than are getting sick. And secondly, it's interesting about who's getting sick. So, you know, you can see the traditional, you know, the traditional people that you'd assume have weak immune systems, like... Mm -hmm diabetics, people that are very obese, people that are under a lot of stress, you can assume that they're, they're probably going to get sicker and, and um, get, get symptoms much more readily than the people that are healthy. Right. We're also seeing a lot of healthy people get sick with coronavirus as well. And so it's, it's interesting to note that, you know, these genetic variations in, in um, how quickly we respond and the intensity that we respond is is real and is especially real with this particular virus so i'm glad that you said that because i rem don't you i remember like the beginning people were like it's really for like older people like people over the age of like 60 or 65 who are the most at risk and then like a little bit like here and there you would pepper in like someone who's 34 got sick someone who's 45 got sick and like little by little like little bit of younger you know, not, not so much younger, but, you know, young to me, you know, my age-ish are getting sick. Now, do you think then like it was kind of blown up to be more of an old person disease, but really it's actually, that's not really the case? Yeah, I, I do think so. I think that, um, you know, at the beginning, there was a lot of uh, media attention given to people that were um, trying to potentially downplay the severity of this disease, right? And mm -hmm. so yes. um, I think, I think you know, we, we were trying to have people not panic, not get 
not get overly concerned at the beginning of this. And I think that we are hearing those stories a lot and, you know, being in the medical profession and talking to doctors that are working in the hospital, in the ICUs, it's not just a peppering in anymore. It's it's a real problem that younger people um, are getting sick. And by younger, I mean 30s, 40s, even 20s right. are getting sick. For some reason, children seem to be extremely well protected. Um, right. Although I have seen some kids in the children's hospitals as well be sick from COVID. But um, really, I haven't yeah. I've heard of one child actually uh, passing away from it like a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, um, which was really rare, I thought. More, more. It is rare. Yeah, it is rare, but, but but it is happening as well. And there's one important factor to this virus that I think a lot of people aren't talking about. With these people that don't have um, that don't have like a predisposition to it, like diabetes or mm-hmm. being elderly, they're dying or ending up in the ICU more frequently with an overactivation of their inflammatory system. So what's happening is they're going to the ICU and they're getting really, really sick because their immune system is causing a cytokine storm, which means that the signal molecules of the immune system are are releasing just out of control. And they're getting intense inflammatory reactions in their lungs and their lungs are filling with fluid. And so that's almost like a indication of an overactive or an over um, or too much of an immune response actually happening. And that's what's getting these younger people really, really sick. Yeah. So it's really interesting what's happening. And, and, you know, there's still a lot that needs to be learned about this. And I almost feel like there's almost two separate problems. One is people getting the standard, you know, just pneumonias and getting really sick, just like they would with the, with like a really bad flu, but also there's this overactivation of the immune system that's causing this, uh, this other type of syndrome that's sending people in the ICU. Well, it's interesting. I think we're both friends with this. Do you know Michael Yo? Yes, very well. Okay. Yeah. okay. So I'm going to podcast in a couple of days, actually. Oh, you are? Okay. <laughs> yeah. He was one of my, he was my MC at Babes for Boobs many for yeah. many years, actually. He's a very nice guy. Um guy. Yeah. And the reason why I bring him up is because um a couple of weeks ago he was doing he was actually speaking about the fact that he got uh he got COVID-19. And he was, I thought it right, he he's a super fit young guy last person you'd ever think to ever get this and then was it and then like he he got pneumonia or did he get pneumonia the reason why I'm bringing him up was was it that that caused pneumonia which then got him to be really sick and almost die or was he already did he have pneumonia I don't remember what what came first because someone like him yeah so you know um just to protect his privacy of course I can't talk specifically about him but for someone like him he was pretty, yeah. yeah, he was pretty like open about it on like his, yeah, Instagram, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, but right, okay. right. exactly. But but know, okay. In general, yeah, people, like, in general. people like that get, yeah, you're right. They get pneumonia and, um, but pneumonia is really like, it's like a catch all term for something bad happening in your lungs. Right. So it could either be an overwhelming infection in your lungs. It could oh, be fluid okay. accumulation in your lungs, just something bad's happening in your lung and your lungs are inflamed. Right. And that's what most people are getting really sick from. Mm. Those are the, that, I would say that's the number one cause people are ending up at the ICU. But what happens when you get a pneumonia and you get really, really sick, it's not just your lungs. Now your blood pressure goes down. You're not getting enough oxygenation and blood to all of your organs. You start going into kidney failure. You start um, having uh, decreased mentation. You start having gut issues. All these things happen because all your body systems are connected. So when one organ gets really, really sick, 
all of the rest of them follow pretty closely behind. Wow. Okay. And so are you, so do you think that we're flattening the curve right now? Or, or do you see a flattening or you feel like it's still going to be like, how much longer are we going to be quarantined is basically my question. You know, that's like a million dollar question, right? Yeah, that's a million dollar <laughs> question. And I don't think you have the answer per se, but yeah. You know. well, I could tell you what I'm seeing and what what's encouraging and what's uh, and what's um, uh, a little bit scary. So what's encouraging is what we did in California has really put us way far ahead of the game compared to cities like New York, because in L.A., the orders to shelter at home came very early and people actually followed them. I mean, even though we do see some reports of people you know, congregating on the beaches and then they close the beaches and all that. But, but people yeah. are really doing a good job at social distancing, just because LA is a big, wide city. We're socially yeah. distanced anyway. That's why we spend so much time in the car, right? Yeah, We barely have socialization as it is. And now this right. is just taking it to a whole new level. You know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh. I think we did a good job, and I do. I do think we are flattening the curve here. And from the physicians that I talked to on the front lines, they're telling me that they're well prepared. They have adequate supplies. They have adequate um, doctors and nurses for now. However, what's concerning to me is that we don't know a lot about this virus. And um, you know, we're I'm looking at antibody tests on um, many, many people right now, and I'm seeing a lot of people not develop a strong antibody reaction to this. And then I'm seeing people develop late antibody reactions. And so this whole question of developing antibodies, and is it protective to you against the virus? I think it's still a big question mark. And the hope is that, you know, if you develop the long-term antibodies, the IgG antibodies, that you can get back to normal life and go back to work. That's mm -hmm. our hope, but it still remains to be seen and I, I, you know, unfortunately, I'm seeing people that are not following that pattern right now. So and, wow. and there are a lot of people who are following the pattern. They are getting the long-term antibodies, but we just don't know what the percentages are and, and where things will end up. The other thing that's a little bit concerning to me, too, is this intense inflammatory reaction. Because, you know, um, what that means is if we were to develop a vaccine, we have to be extremely careful that vaccine itself doesn't cause that intense inflammatory reaction. Oh, right? wow. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so it's not just like a vaccine to the flu or something. The vaccine could have serious potential side effects and consequences as well. So, you know, we're all hoping for a vaccine in 18 months, but we could get a major setback if we see, un, you know, th this inflammatory reaction happen to, to a vaccine dose. <laughs> Well, I, I, okay, so there's two different tests, right? There's the, there's the nasal swab test, right? And then there's the antibody test, right? right. So I've, I've been under the impression that the, antibi the, the antibody test is not necessarily um, as accurate, right? There's been some, like, backlash on the fact, not backlash, I shouldn't say backlash, but is it as effective from what you see? No, it's two different things completely. So what the nasal swab is doing is actually testing for the virus itself. It's actually see seeing for the RNA sequence of the virus in your nose, right? So you're taking a swab, you're putting it way back in the back of your nose. You're trying to get, yeah, it's, it's not comfortable. You're no. trying to like get some virus and see if you can actually find the RNA sequence back there. Okay. Two or three problems that number one, there's a high false negative rate, okay? So if you don't get enough swab. of the oh, okay. nasal swab, right? Okay, okay. There's a high false negative rate, so if you don't get enough of a sample, it could be negative, and you still have the virus. 
Secondly, is that it does it just tells you if you're currently carrying the virus. It doesn't tell you anything about your immune status to it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we don't know if you are immune to it or not when you get the nasal swab. Okay. Now the yeah. immune test, the antibody test is different. Um, it's be in just because you have antibodies doesn't mean you currently have the virus. Right. It means your body has made antibodies to the virus. Now that's important information because if you've made antibodies to the virus, it means that you did have it at some point in time and there's a potential for you not to get it moving forward, right? So oh, it's, okay. you see, so there are two different pieces of information. I honestly feel like both of them, if we could do both of them together on everybody, that would be fantastic. Like a couple of weeks apart too. So we have a couple data points, but um, I think they're both, each one of them has its own particular um, positives and negatives and each one has its own particular use. But moving forward, it's really gonna be that antibody testing being done on a mass scale to see who's immune to it and who's not and who's going to be able to get back to life and get back to normal life, go back to work, et cetera, um, if things pan out that the antibodies are truly protective. So you have these tests, right? You're doing these tests, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. But yes, why are. You are. And I, I mean, an, another friend of mine is also doing Dr. Rave. He's doing these tests too. Very few people, though, I find, like, why is it so hard for doctors yeah. to get their hands on these tests? Like, it's, it's like liquid gold. Well, because we need hundreds of millions of them right now. That's why. And so every manufacturer we call, they're, you know, completely out all the time. And then they get small allocations they can distribute. And remember, the first priority is getting these tests to the hospitals, right? Right, right. So, so, so first, all of the tests are going to the hospitals. There's no machine yet launched where we can just put the test in the machine and the hospital because run their own test. Um, that's coming very soon, which will be a game changer. So then hospitals can just run their own test and then the, the testing kits will be available to private doctors and then you can get the testing kits. And then the last thing that's going to make a huge difference is hopefully one day the, um, the FDA approves a home test kit. And I think the home test kit will definitely be either a spit test for the actual virus itself mm. or a mm -hmm. blood spot. Like, you know, when you are doing like a, a ketosis test or a diabetes right. test, just a little bit of blood. If we can get that proven to be um, proven to be effective and make sure that people can get good samples, I think that's going to be a game changer. Wow. I mean, it's amazing to me. Like, so how many doctors in California, do you even know the number, have it? There's a, like, it's not very common. Well, many doctors have it. I think many doctors have it. I think there's a little bit of fear because a lot of these tests are not proven. Um, there's tests coming from everywhere and the doctors don't know really how to evaluate whether the tests are valid, mm, oh. validated enough or not. Or, oh, you know? okay. And so I think doctors are hesitant as they rightfully should be to only pick the best testing modalities out there. Got and it. There's, you know, these little kits that look like pregnancy tests a lot of times you don't know where they've come from or anything. And yeah, you know, I've seen them. Yeah. They're made in mass quantities in China. Without seeing a validation, a validation study on these, it's really hard for me to offer them to my clients, you know, and, and doctors, all doctors feel that way. Yeah, no, I, that makes sense. Okay. So then let's get to like how to optimize your health right now, especially when we're all stuck inside. I mean, most for the most part, right? Like we get to go for our, our you know, our, or walk around the block like a dog, you know what I mean? Maybe three times a day. Um, but for the most part, we're kind of like st stuck indoors, right? Yeah. What can we do? Like, give, can you give us a little bit of information on how to stay healthy? Um, and then we'll get into like how to even get better your immune health. But overall, sure. 
Okay. So overall, it's it's really the stuff that you're talking about all the time, Jen. So number one, you've got to keep yourself moving now more than ever. It's really easy to become a couch potato and just watch Netflix and play video games all day. It is it is it wrecks your ability to fight off a virus if right. you not have adequate blood circulation to all your organs in your skin and your mucous membranes. So you've got to keep yourself moving. And, you know, I think, I think if you don't have a step counter right now, you should get one. Um, make sure you're getting adequate movement. You and I, we, we love our walking desks. Yeah, right. Every day, you know, it's the best. It's the yeah, best. It is the best go outside. If you can socially distance adequately and get, get a good walk in. I think that's really important. I think also, you know, the other thing that everyone now has time to do is focus on your sleep, right? Like right. Get yourself Actually, sleep. I don't think so, by the way. I think if you have kids, really? I mean, you, have, you have kids too, but like, yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know who are these people that have time to be watching, like binging on Netflix and Hulu. And I'm, I'm busier now than ever, Me too. Being at home, right? You've got to be homeschooling your kids. You've got to be yeah. working, but now using technology. So now you're spending hours upon hours more trying to figure out this whole thing. Oh, and yeah. then, you know what I mean? And then you have the kids to deal with. I, I mean, I don't know how people are just like it's lounging and sleeping all day. It doesn't make any sense to me. I, I think not having kids is a huge factor. I was going to say, <laughs> thank you. That's what I, there's a massive difference between being someone who has no kids and, and being, because the people, you're right, the people that I talk to sometimes who have no kids, they're like, yeah, I've got nothing to do. I'm so bored. I'm just, why have you watched this? Have you done that? I'm like, watched what? Done what? No. And I'm not sleeping. Thank you very much. So, I mean, it's, worse <laughs> your kids and my kids are the same age and so yes. they're the age where they where when they see you they're less like constantly want your attention and they so, demand your attention right you you can't just be like you know screw off i want to like watch this or i want to like do that i mean it's exhausting right exactly right. yeah i have not watched any tiger king at all because I mean, <laughs> on top of them. i'm not gonna let them watch that so <laughs> So that's funny you said that's basically the only show I did watch, I got to say. <laughs> and that's why I'm not sleeping because I'm watching it at midnight. But then that's like, why. you know, but I watched it. It took me like days and days to finish it. Oh, my God, that show's crazy. But that's all a whole other podcast altogether. It's like okay. crazy, crazy. But yeah. like that's what I'm saying, like this sleep is so important. And what do people do when they are with, like you or like me who have to be like on with their kids and like it's hectic? And you're yep. not able to sleep in until nine or 10 in the morning. And you right. know what I mean? So, so, you know, it's all about routines and, and finding a new routine in your life. And then when you do get to the bedroom and, and you have to focus on your sleep, then it's time to focus on your sleep. So, you know, like I hate to say it, but you got to get that TV out of your bedroom and stop yeah, watching exactly. Netflix before you go to bed, especially those binge shows, because yep. that, that will ruin your sleep. And so, you know, at my household and many of my you know clients and patients that I'm advising, you, your your sleep routine starts from the minute you wake up, right? Mm -hmm. And you wake up, you got to set your circadian rhythm. You got to get outside, look at the sun, um, be outside in nature for five, 10, 15 minutes, whatever it takes to set your circadian rhythm to the first part of its rhythm. And then your sleep cycle has to start an hour before you actually get into bed. So an hour before you got to wind down, all electronics off, and then you go into a sleep environment, which is perfectly made to get the best sleep 
no TV, no electronics, um, uh, as dark as possible, uh, completely dark, and having no noise whatsoever and colder than 69 degrees. So 67 to 69 degrees, somewhere in there. Wow. Got to cool your room down. And so those are the high points. And, you know, there's a lot, a lot of other things you can do for sleep, but if you can just hit those high points, guaranteed to get better sleep. And I think tracking your sleep, there's a lot of great sleep trackers out there, is going to help you make those like small improvements day to day to get better and better sleep and more deep sleep. So really it's the same thing as like overall, like it, forget about being quarantined and COVID, but it's like the sleep moving every day. Do you still say 10,000 steps a day is, is optimum or? Well, you know, 10,000 steps is based on nothing really. It's just, I was going to say, who's even thought of 10, why 10,000? Like why not? You want to know why? I, I know yeah. why I can tell you why. Yeah. So why? The first company that came out with a pedometer was in Japan. And they, they they based this pedometer on the pedometer. It was like the, one of those little electronic digital yeah. things that just clip onto you. Remember those? I totally so, remember. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I totally remember that. Watches and all that stuff. Yeah. So um, they based that 10,000 steps because they called it the 10K pedometer. And they based it on this one study that was done on the healthiest people in Japan who lived in this little town and they all worked in this factory. And all those people walked to work every day because there were no roads to get to this factory. And someone went there and tried to figure out why these people were so healthy. Why were they living to their 90s and into their hundreds? And they, they figured out it's because they walked to work every day. And so they walked from that village to the factory. It was 5,000 steps and 5,000 steps. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. That's why it was ten thousand. That's why it's ten thousand steps, and that's why when the first pedometer that came out of Japan was called the ten k pedometer, and that's and that's how they got that number. Oh my god! Well, I just learned something really new. I had no idea. That's a great story. So that <laughs> so, a little story, right? It's a great story. I think that's. Like, I think because I think it's such an arbitrary thing where everyone's like, "Oh, ten thousand steps," like, but no one's ever asked the question like, "Well, why ten thousand? Why not nine? Why not 11? Yeah, you know. And now we know why. So right. is there a, an amount or not really? You know, it's going to be different for everybody, but I think it's a good marker. I think it's, it's I think it's an adequate amount of um, mo- moving around. And really, you know, it's not about getting that 10,000 steps all in one sitting. What you right. really have to do, where's my egg timer? I, I have an egg timer on my desk over there, my walking desk. Um, I you really get up every 45 minutes. You, you, want, you want me to yeah, go run and get it? I knew you'd have, if you've got great little hacks like this. Yes. This is what I like about you, Darshan. Remember when you first saw Walking Desk, you came to visit me in my I was, office. I was, I was actually going to say, you were the first person who, ever, who I saw actually have the first Walking Desk. That was so many years yeah. ago. And I was like, oh, my God, what is this? And you told me what it was. And then it became, like, kind of cool, like, two years later or something. You were mm-hmm. see, like, you were ahead of the trend. That's, that's why I love you. <laughs> exactly. And that's why I love you. You always have great information. I always learn something from you. Today, I learned about the uh, 10,000 step story. And now we're going to learn about this egg timer. So what do you do? Every four, you going to set it? and This is it. It's shaped like an egg, but you can use whatever you want. And it goes up to 55 minutes. And it's really important that every time you, you sit down or you're standing on your walking desk, that you, you do that activity for a certain amount of time and then you stop and do something else 
and then and then you and then you come back and you set your timer again. And the reason for that is any activity done in too much of a prolonged state is going to cause more damage than good. All right. So walking for a really really long time, two or three hours in a row, which I used to do when I was um when I was at my walking desk, it can cause joint problems over time. It can cause right. People- times right so so you want to do it for 45 minutes and then you want to stop and then you want to do and then and sit down for 45 minutes and then go back to walking or doing something else it's really it's called the pomodoro technique actually is actually great for even uh, your brain health to to focus for some amount of time and then defocus and then refocus as well and it just keeps you it just keeps you moving just mentally and physically and um it works for me, just anecdotally, but I also know it works for a lot of patients. And there's a lot of research behind it as well. That makes total sense. So basically, that's a great. I love that. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that because does that mean then people who are marathon runners and ultra marathon guys, all these people, like that actually, people think, oh wow, they're you're able to like move that much, your cardiovascular system, your heart, but actually, it's doing more damage than good. Oh my God, I can't even tell you some of the most unhealthiest people I meet are these ultra marathoners. Oh. I mean, they're incredible. I mean, they're absolutely incredible, but you look at them biochemically yeah. and it's almost like you're going to, you're going to die if you keep this up, you need to stop. <laughs> I, I agree. Like, I don't, I don't get that. Why would anyone even subject themselves to running an ultra marathoner runs a hundred miles minimum at a time, even like a marathon, like I never, and I'm like, obviously very into like fitness stuff, but I never understood the reason behind a marathon because I knew it's bad for your joints. It's bad for your back. It's bad for your knees. What's the purpose? Like, it's just going to break down your body faster. You know, it's good for your... Yeah, they're, they're certainly impressive. And I think at a certain age, you have so much reserve capacity, like in your 20s, to do this kind of stuff. It probably doesn't matter too much. But as you turn 40 and, and above, it's been scientifically shown that... Um, th- especially in your heart, your cardiac muscle, mm-hmm. you get overstressed with too much exercise. And you can actually die sooner if you go uh, longer into your years with intense ex- exercise. And not just, I'm sorry, intense was the wrong word. Intense exercise is actually good for short periods of time. Right. Like high intensity intermittent training. But right. long periods of intense exercise is really bad for you. Like an ultra marathoner or like a marathoner. So, okay. So if you're using your treadmill desk, that's a good example. So every, even if you're on that and you're moving, even that every 45 minutes, you'll jump off and do something else for 45 minutes and then go back. Mm -hmm. Do you have, do you have to have that break being 45 minutes or can it be less? It, it could certainly be less. Yeah, absolutely. It can, the, the next break, I mean, the break doesn't have to be any more than 15 to 30 minutes. Oh, but okay. If you want to take that pressure off your joints, you want to take, you want to give your, um, you want to give your joints some time to relax. You want to rehydrate yourself, all of that. That's great. And what's, what's that thing called again? You said it's the Pomodoro test? Pomodoro technique, P-O-M-O-D-O-R-O. More from our guest, but first a few words from our sponsors. So are you looking for the perfect gift for your mom or another loved one? I know how difficult it is for me to always try to find the perfect Mother's Day gift. And that's why I'm so happy I found Skylight Frame. My mom lives really far away in Canada still. And me being in LA with my children, she never gets to see them as often as she wants. So this gift is a godsend. It's a touchscreen photo frame. And you can email photos to her and they appear in seconds 
It's amazing. And my mom and me, actually, for that matter, are not very tech savvy. And it really makes it so simple for anyone to figure out and use. It's a really great gift if you want to feel close or if you miss your loved ones. It really has made my mom just so happy. And now it's a special holiday offer. You can get $10 off your purchase of a skylight frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash HH and enter code HH. That's right. To get $10 off your purchase of a skylight frame, just go to skylightframe.com slash HH and enter code HH. That's skylightframe. Dot com slash HH. So then let's go back. So sleep is obviously very important. Uh, moving, you know, walking, getting your blood circulating. First thing you're saying something about setting your circadian rhythm. Is that you're right. saying go outside first? Is that the first thing you were saying that too is very yeah, important? Go outside in the sun first, right? Exactly. And you know, um, there's a lot of talk about grounding. Have you heard about grounding yeah. yet? Yeah. Have I heard so. about that? Yes. <laughs> heard a lot about grounding. Yes. Right. Yeah. So you know about grounding. So, you know, you want to go outside barefoot. I tell everybody, just because I know about ground, tell, say what it is. Basically, it's about putting your feet on the ground, basically. Right. In like, in bare feet on the, the bare ground. Right. Exactly. Does it have to be grass? Does it have to be grass or does it No, no. Be- it can be anything. It can be, it can be grass, it can be dirt. It can be, you know, whatever. Just having whatever. some connection to the earth um, helps to set your circadian rhythm as well. And um, then your circadian rhythm there's um there's a lot of research around the circadian rhythm right now and a lot of great articles I can send you, but it has a lot to do with three different things. One is light, okay? So getting the right frequency of light um, at the right times of day to set your circadian rhythm. Oh. Secondly, yeah. Secondly, of eating. So when you eat your meals has a lot to do with your circadian rhythm as well, okay? And mm. thirdly is the activity level that you have. So sitting around all day wreaks havoc on your circadian rhythm because your your brain doesn't know that you've been moving. It thinks your brain, certain parts of your brain thinks that you're just still in bed, you know, like oh. why not moving? You're like a couch potato. Your brain, your, your brain signals couch potato and it has different biochemical pathways based on what signaling is getting. So those are the three things that you really want to have in rhythmic control on a day-to-day basis to keep your circadian rhythm set correctly. So do you mean you have to eat at the same time? Do you have to put your, do you have to be doing the grounding at the same time every day? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I would say, I would say, you know, try to keep your meals, your grounding, your exposure to light fairly consistent. So your, your body doesn't get confused. Um, I think, um, you know, in the evening, especially, you want to make sure that you're mostly exposed to like sunlight, uh, a, a sundown colors, you know, like oranges and reds versus LED lights that are really bright and white. That tells your that tells the cells in the back of your eye that it's morning again, and you don't want to send those mixed signals. Wow. So what happens if someone lives in, in like, you know, I'm Canadian, Toronto, Winnipeg, wherever I, where I was living, it's dark six, seven months of the year. Right. And like, especially now when people are like all, you know, quarantined to stay home, how are they supposed to get the light to do that one step? Is there other ways they can? Yeah, I think, you know, I think, um, so I think different areas of the world, people's circadian rhythms are set differently. And Mm, so it doesn't, it doesn't mean that everyone needs to have the same rhythm. It just, you need to be in some sort of rhythm that's appropriate for the part of the world that you live in. Right now, what you said, 
Secondly, is really important. Now that we're all quarantined, we have to figure out like how do we get the sunlight in the morning? A lot of times we don't even do that in our normal life, right? You go right. from your house to your car to the office and you never set a second out in the, in the sun. Exactly. But, yeah, exactly. So I think it's just being mindful of it and making sure you have the opportunities. Even if you live in New York City, if you can get out to the rooftop of your building or just even outside for a little while, it's it's really helpful for setting your circadian rhythm. Of course, you have to, you know, in this day and age, you got to practice a social distancing, et cetera, but it, I think it's still possible. And then there's other like high tech biohacker ways of doing it. There's blue blocking glasses that you can wear at night, right? Right, right, there right, right. Lights that you can buy that you can put inside your house that simulates sunlight as well. Can, is what's more, this is more, you know, red light therapy. Mm-hmm. Is it, if you, okay, so it's a sunlight. If to, to sit 15, 10 minutes in, in uh, direct sunlight, is that better for you than red light therapy or is red light therapy better? You said sunlight's better. Uh, yeah, I, I think, I think sunlight is going to be the most natural and the best thing for you. Anytime you can get something naturally, it's of course going to be better. Sunlight is what's going to, you know, encourage the conversion of vitamin D to its active form. Sunlight is what has been shown to react with the back of your eye, the the cells in the back of your eye to um, create the right amount of melatonin. It's, it's always going to be sunlight is better than, than, you know, the, the light therapies out there. But that being said, red light therapy is, is good. I mean, th- there's different reasons to use red light therapy. For example, men use it to build testosterone levels, right? Um, it's good for your skin. There's there's other different reasons to to use red light as well. I know you've been a big proponent of it. So that's why I just wanted to, I wanted to ask about, I mean, most people don't have red light therapy in their house and they're stuck in their house now. But yeah. I was curious about that because I wanted to know if it had similar benefits or if if you had to pick one or the other, um, which one would be better? And then I also I heard that vitamin D is really effective with um, taking vitamin D supplements is really effective for helping prevent uh, Corona. Is that just a is that just a, a a myth and a rumor or is that true? We don't know if vitamin D is help is good for helping co- prevent Corona, but we do know for sure vitamin D is an essential micronutrient for your immune system and almost every other system in your body. So having a vitamin D deficiency will slowly over time cause you to age. Having a vitamin D deficiency will definitely make you more susceptible to infections of any kind. So um, what people don't realize is almost 80% of this population is deficient in vitamin D just because we don't get enough in our diet. And that's why they even have to put in milk, but now no one drinks milk anymore, right? Right. So so we're not getting enough vitamin D and we're not getting enough sun to convert vitamin D to its active form. So the best thing that we can do is, you know, and and I'm not a big supplement pusher by any means, but there are a couple of supplements I think everyone needs to be on. And one of them is vitamin D. You should get your vitamin D level checked. It's really easy. You can either do it online or your doctor can order it. It should be between 40, 40 and 80, preferably between 50 and 80. You don't want it too high either. Mm-hmm. And supplement. And so you can take two or 5,000 international units a day of vitamin D. I think that's a critical micronutrient for pretty much everyone to take. But always well, talk to your doctor first. And what's the other one that you're going to say? You said there's two two supplements sure. that you think. Yeah, omega-3 fatty acids um, that okay. come in fish oils. Yeah, I think that's extremely important for many different functions, but especially, um, you know, heart health and immune health for sure. 
immune health to what other functions? What could I've been taking it by the way for like 25 years. And at the, I mean, I just keep on taking it cause I've been taking it for so long. I kind of forget what the real benefits are. I, I thought it was good for brain health and like you, yeah. Yeah. And good for brain health, definitely good for anti-inflammatory effects as well. Right. Um, so inflammation is basically the, the root cause of all diseases. And the right. more you can minimize inflammation, the better. And omega-3 fatty acids are very helpful in that. So what other ways can we help boost our immune system? Both the, the, the two, the one, the one and two that you talked about at the beginning of the podcast. So, so um, the, the other thing is you want to consider a few other supplements at this point in time, especially when keeping your immune system optimized is going to be key. Um, I think it, vitamin E is another one that's very important as well for your immune system. Um, so oh. that's, that's one that I think a lot of people don't consider and zinc is also very important for immune system. So really, why those two? What do, what do each of them do for your immune system? You know, remember I told you about how there's different parts of the immune system yeah. and, your, and your, yeah, okay. So th these vitamins support the ability of your B cells, um, which are certain types of immune cells to make antibodies and immune globulins. And they're also cofactors for different enzymes and different, um, oh, wow. different substances that your body uses to kill bacterial and viral cells. So uh, that th that's one of the reasons you need it. Um, the, the key micronutrients, even though having all your micronutrients um, optimized, which most of us can do with our diet, but the key ones, especially when you get sick, should be vitamin A, C, E, and zinc. Those are the four that I always talk about with people that I get sick. And a lot of the, a lot of the combinations for immune support that you see out there have right. all these in them with some herbs that are also helpful. So how about in food? What are the highest, uh, where would you get the highest um, amounts of zinc, vitamin A? Like what, sh what should people be eating or try to eat as much as they can yeah, while so, they're so, stuck at home? Yeah, so, so the, the best thing you can do for your immune system is what you don't eat more than anything. So keeping inflammatory foods out of your body is key right now. So your immune cells aren't trying to you know, fight off inflammation from the foods you're eating, they're available to fight off viruses. So uh, inflammatory food include all, all food that is processed, right? right. And all meat um, or fish that is grown unethically um, or, you know, th that, that's, basically, that's basically from large meat farms. So you want to stay, keep those to a minimum. Um, and then the kind of foods that you want to eat that are very helpful for your immune system are definitely green leafy vegetables like spinach, uh, kale is excellent for immune for your immune system, mm -hmm. and you want to give yourself a variety of phytonutrients. So a big variety of vegetables that are different colors, like you want you know you, you want like the red bell peppers and the purple squashes. Those are the ones you you, right. you really want eggplants. I mean, you really. I know want what you meant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you meant. Right. Uh, so it's basically the same stuff that you would tell people or I would tell people to eat generally. It's just yeah. kind of make sure you're much more cognizant of it during now. I mean, at this time when people are, you know, potentially you know, around getting it or around people who may have it. Why are people running around uh, when they, I mean, again, this is just maybe me, but like when, when they're walking around the neighborhood, I was uh, driving back from the grocery store and there's like two people by themselves walking together um, on an empty street and they're wearing the mask, just walking around. I mean, is that necessary? I mean, I understand if you're at a grocery store, I understand, but like if you're out there, do you need to be wearing a mask while you're just doing your daily, your daily dog you know, walk? 
I think a lot of stuff is going to change with this, Jen, and especially how what's considered um, good manners and what's considered not oh. with mask wearing. And I think what's going to happen is similar to what you see in China, just people wearing masks all the time, just because they're just, it becomes part of culture. Yeah. I think the reason for wearing masks, um, just out there going for a walk, for example, is you're going to walk by people's mailboxes. You're going to walk by um, potentially um, other things that people might touch, right? Maybe be a trash can or something. Who knows? You're going to walk by things that if your respiratory droplet gets on that, there's a potential for you or a pet or something to come in contact with those respiratory droplets and have the virus now living on you, right? And so I, I think I think, I think think what we're going to see is a lot more of, you know, of course, depending on where you live, if you live out in the country, it doesn't probably matter as much. But if you're in a city, there's there's definitely a potential of you having a cough or a sneeze onto, you know, the, the window of a store or something. And I think you're going to see more of people wearing masks just to protect others from their respiratory droplets than themselves. So you're saying you think this is going to be the new normal for a while? Like you're thinking this is going to be the new thing that people are going to do. Once even the uh, stay at home is lifted, people are still going to walk around wearing masks. You know, I, I don't, I can't say for sure, but I think, I do think that there's going to be. I know you're a, not psychic. Changes. Yeah. I there think are a lot of things. Changes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And and you think that's like, what do you think? What's your opinion on that? Do you think that's necessary or you think that's kind of taking it to, you're a doctor. So do you think that mm-hmm. that's something that is necessary or? I, I think, I think that it's going to be necessary in this age where uh, viruses like coronavirus um, are going to come back. They're going to come become seasonal for a while and we're going to have a certain period of time. It might be a couple, three, four years where we are going to live in fear of another shutdown, another pandemic. And I think during this period of time, like, do you think that you won't have your stash of masks in your house for the next couple of years? I probably will, but you're right. So there's like a psychological element here, right? Like you've been like, it's like you've been like, it's it's like you've been, it's like a beaten dog in a way. Like you're now you're psycho, you're so like scarred from what happened. You're going to be extra scared. You know what I mean? or extra cognizant of these things. But then what kind of way of life is that, right? If that's the way it is. I mean, I mean, I was hearing that they were saying like, was it like Gavin Newsom was saying that the new normal is if you go to a restaurant, the restaurant's going to only have half the amount of people. You're going to have a disposable menu. Your waiter and you are going to both wear masks and you're going to be wearing, you know, like gloves. I'm like, if there was an alien who came down to earth to see what was going on here, you'd be like, what the fuck is going on in those earth people? I mean, it's like crazy what it looks like here, you know? I think it'll happen for a certain amount of time, Jen. Like if you look at the flu back in 1914, it killed many, many more people and definitely a giant percent of the population. Yeah. And, you know, we're, that was 1914. And look, we forgot about that, right? I know. (laughs) So people are going to forget. Well, I mean, I I think it's going to take a while, but I mean- What, what is the real differences? Like people I feel are so, are they more, are they really scared um, of, more scared of Corona than the flu situation because it's so much more um, contagious than the flu was even back then? Like you can easily, you can get it much easier basically. 
Is that why? Yeah, yeah, I can tell you why the physician community is scared of this and why the medical community is scared and why epidemiologists are scared. Because I think it's really important because there's a lot of news out there about this is really overblown. Like so many more people die of the flu, more people die of, you know, more people die of car accidents every year that has killed people so far with the coronavirus, right? Right. Here's here's the reality of the situation. The reality of the situation is that Right now, when you get the flu or when you get into a car accident, an ambulance is going to pick you up. You know, we're lucky to live in this country where an ambulance is going to pick you up fairly quickly. They're going to take you to the hospital. There's going to be doctors and nurses available for you that are going to immediately treat you and get you to the ICU and get you fixed, hopefully, so you can go home. Right. The problem with coronaviruses is, is that it spreads. It's it's like a it, it's so sneaky, right? Like so many people get it and they don't even know that they have it. And you're out there spreading it. You don't even know it. And so many more people can get it a lot faster than the number of people that can get into a car accident today, right? If every single person in America went out and got in their car today and went out there driving, I guarantee you a lot less people will die compared to what would happen if every single person in the country got coronavirus today, right? Right, right. <laughs> and yeah. it's really, it's really what's what's really bad about it is that is that a high percentage of people do die just normally, just with maximal amounts of care with like a full ICU team. But if you get if you get uh, too many people in the hospital with coronavirus at the same time, you're not going to have enough room for all the other people with coronavirus, and you're not going to have enough room for the people with accidents, for the people that need heart transplants, for the people that need you know dialysis for their kidneys it's going to totally overwhelm our system. And that's the real issue is right. that, you know, you're, you're, you have way too many people sick at the same time. It's not really about um, the number. It's not really about how deadly coronavirus has been. It's how deadly it could be once the hospital system gets overwhelmed. And the other big problem with it is once you get it and you end up in the ICU, you're in the ICU for weeks. Like most other diseases or surgeries that end you up in the ICU, a lot of people get out of the ICU in one or two days. And when you're in the ICU for weeks, I, I used to work in the ICU for many years. Um, other, you get sick with other things. You get, you know, other infections. You get kidney failure, heart right. failure, and so it's it's you know you're there for a long time, taking up that bed for a long time. So it's really about capacity and how many people can be in the hospital at once. That's the real issue. Yeah, and you know what? Also, a friend, uh, one of my best girlfriends. Her uncle went to the hospital. It was in Canada, in Montreal. He went to the hospital for something totally unrelated to uh, this uh, Corona, and but he caught Corona in the hospital and he passed away. Mm. So he was there for something totally different and he caught it, and that's what happened. So oh, that's what I think. it is. It's terrible. I yeah. mean, I just and that's why I guess with the masks and everything else, I think that people are. This is going to be the new normal because. If they don't have a, especially if they don't have like a proper cure, right? To, or like a, a vaccine. A vaccine, yeah. That's what right, I exactly. And you know what, though? I think now that everyone's sensitized to it, right? I think everyone's going to have their protective equipment. They're going to, you know, the, the government is not going to hesitate in putting a shutdown order in again. So we're going to see, you know, sorry guys, next week the whole country shut down again or the whole city shut down exactly. again. Exactly. It's that kind of stuff is going to happen. And we are definitely going to see the use of technology for contact tracing and, you know, measuring people's temperatures on a wide scale. There's going to be a lot more tech that comes out of this, which, quite frankly, should have happened years ago. You know, we should have had like, you know, we had the Army and the Navy and the Air Force. Why don't we have a force that's dependent 
that that's there waiting for a virus to break out. We it's just right. been, it, we just kind of ignored the pro- the problem for a long time, and now now we can't ignore it anymore. I mean, if you think about it, this cost us more than any other war, probably all the wars we fought in the last decade put together. I know it's crazy. I mean, do you, did you ever see that Bill Gates uh, TED talk that was he like predicted this like five years? He did a thing five years ago. And he sure. predicted this and nobody, you know, I was like, oh, you know, like nobody thought anything of it. Right. It's amazing. Like, yeah. and, and still, even with, I mean, he's Bill Gates. I mean, yes, he's very smart. And he did predict this to have any out and he actually predicted a respiratory issue. Isn't sure. that nuts? Right. Absolutely. I mean, if it was going to be, if it was going to be a virus that spread like this, it has to be respiratory, right. By breathing and coughing on each other. Right. So, so, but but he's definitely he was way out of the curve and he tried to warn us, but only oh, he did. <laughs> exactly. No, but that's exactly true. And then you I know, saw I every year, so I was there at that talk. Oh, you did? You yeah. saw you were there? Yeah, five yeah, years yeah. ago. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So okay, so when you listened and you heard it live and in person, did you think anything of it or you just kind of went about your day and thought, okay, whatever. Next you know, Here's what happens when you go to TED. It's an incredible conference. Have you been to TED yet? The the real t- I've done the I've the done the TED, but not the big one. No, yeah. you, you've been there. You've been there all the time. You go all the time. I, I've been every year for many years, globally and the, the big one. And what I can tell you is, it's like you know, it's like a waterfall of information, a fire hose. And you have one talk that gets you a little bit depressed, and the next one gets you like super optimistic, and the yeah. next one makes you sad, and the next one makes you scared, and it's just one feeling after the other. And so, yeah, I was definitely scared and a little bit um, concerned for sure, after listening to, to Bill. But then I think I heard something that uplifted me immediately afterwards. I was going to say, what was this, what, which one did you hear right after him? Do you remember what it was? I don't, I don't. What was, this is completely off topic, but what was the best TED Talk you've ever seen in like live and like in person? Oh my goodness. That's really, that's a really tough one. But, um, you know, I can tell you many of them have made me cry. Many of them have made me, um, just super optimistic. Uh, I, I think Brene Brown, Brene Brown was amazing. Oh, is that the one on vulnerability, right? Yes. Is that the, is that the yeah. vulnerability? Exactly. So you were there live when she did that one. I think it was her vulnerability one. If not, it was a different one. She's, she's done a few of them, but she's always so impressive. She just blows my mind every time she speaks. Yeah. People love her. She has like a whole new show now on Netflix. Not like yeah. I would know because I can't watch it, but <laughs> from, what I, from what I heard from other people, you know, um, is there, okay. So I think that's great. Is there anything else we can talk about that is regarding overall optimization of your immunity, of your health? We know that you love Brene Brown, one of your favorite <laughs> talks that you saw live. Is there anything else that you want to share with us, Darshan? Yeah, you know, I just think that people should really pay attention. And there's a lot of media out there and a lot of it's going to be wrong. Um, so just, just really pay attention, find good sources of information and and really, you know, dig deeper whenever you read something or hear something. I think definitely everyone is chomping at the bit to get back to normalcy and get, get back to life. But it would be really, really bad if we did it too soon. And so, you know, I think people need to know, like, listen to the public health officials, listen to what the governor has to say of California. I think he has his head screwed on straight about this and don't push the limits and don't just think you're going to be fine, you know, because I think a lot of us, 
luckily being in California, we don't know someone yet who's ended up in the hospital. And thank goodness, you know, a lot of us don't know someone who's ended up dead. Although I, I do know some people um, that, that have been in that unfortunate situation, but we don't want to get to a place wow. where we, where we start hearing about our friends and, and our friends, family members um, being in the ICU and, and taking it day by day. And the only way that's going to happen more than anything is for us to keep social distancing and to stay at home right now. It's just way too soon to think that we're going to get out of this anytime first, anytime soon by May 1st or May 15th, even it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Even, even a little bit by May 15th, are we going to be able to, do you think even go to a restaurant, even if it's half full? Give me some. I think, I think, it's, dangerous. I think it's dangerous. So what are you going to do? Okay, I, I, and I know we'll wrap this up, but next health, next health. I love next health. And you have, Thanks. it's amazing. And you have two locations in LA, right? And you weren't you opening one up in New York before this whole thing happened? We, we, we almost had the keys to the door when this whole thing happened. <laughs> That's what I, re I remember right. being on the phone with you and you were like, cause you were going to help me with, Oh yeah, you're going to be speaking on a panel that I was going to be involved with, um, with true and hygien. That's right. And you're like, Oh, I have to be in New York. I'm we're opening up this next health. So what happens now? Like, is it just on hold like indefinitely or. Yeah, we just wait. We wait until the um, stay at home orders are lifted um, in New York and we can start, um, we can start operating as a business again. You know, we can't wait to do it. Can't wait to be out in New York. Um, you know, another thing I want to say about the stay-at-home order too being lifted is definitely going to come in waves. I mean, we're going to have to first go back to work and go back to activities where there's smaller groups of people. But I think it's going to be a while before we go back to the movies, before we go back to concerts, before we go back to conferences. All of those things, I mean, there's going to be potentially even a permanent um, or semi-permanent reality change around all those activities where you're in close quarters with other people. Yeah. Like I saw today on the news, they said that no sporting events, no concerts um, to, to until at least 2021. I now, think that's, uh, how, I think so that's true. Do you think that's normal? Do you think that, but then how about all those bit like how about like we're talking like all these conferences like how are people going to socialize are they not like someone like you by the way who's very social normally you know what are you going to do this must be on the other side like it must be very it's mentally very difficult for people to to adapt to this like are you like with you even like if you're a doctor or a ditch digger it doesn't matter how are you mentally dealing with this stuff I mean, it's, I mean, for all of us, I mean, you know, the mental health implications are huge, especially if you're someone who's alone, right? I just read a yeah. funny article. Um, the other, I, I saw this funny meme the other day, by the way. It's got to say, it's, yeah. it's like, it's like this is going to be really bad for those guys in LA that are dating three girls at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> it is, like, it's going to be really bad. <laughs> and, and also it's bad for anybody who's on Tinder and Schminder and all these, like how are single people going to like date and like do it's, a, how is that going to happen again? Or what, what are people doing? I mean, this like, is a world changing, in, yeah, it's a world changing event, right? We don't know. And a lot of it has to do with if this thing comes around again for another season, I think we're going to be, uh, or if there's a resurgence because of too early uh, relaxation of social distancing measures, I think we're all going to be, doubly or triply as scared for a longer time. Um, and I think that, um, you know, the, the mental health implications are huge, especially for someone who's alone. It's really hard, right, for, for you? Very, very. Um, if you are, um, 
and so you know you you we're lucky you know, we're blessed we're, we're with our family although sometimes you know the kids drive me nuts and i don't feel so blessed but <laughs> did you see the meme with that guy and the, someone says um a you're quarantined with your family b, b definitely b, b. definitely b <laughs> the memes that have come out of this have been just absolutely a rapid fire hilariousness ha hilarious okay just the humor is just so funny i like the people like did you hear uh this guy named chris mann he did the um parody for hello from adele no, okay I i'm gonna send it to you and okay, anyway you, got you gotta like google it like the pair <laughs> it's hilarious okay <laughs> I, i'm gonna say like with all this you know nonsense going on i've laughed a lot at a lot of these like things that's come up like people have a lot of people there's some people who have got great senses like a sense of humor right it's hilarious oh but yeah people are so funny <laughs> so funny okay so it's funny great. but oh. you know i think i think we're gonna have to do more of this you know conferencing stuff um we're gonna have to do a lot more virtual um, meetings it's gonna be it's gonna be tough for a while it really is i know it's not my strong suit and i don't like it i'm a people person like you yeah. both you of know? us are the same i know well, you know, so this is not like this is I'd rather be doing this in person on my treadmill mm -hmm. back there than being uh, doing this on a call like this with Squadcast. But, yeah. um, you know, I mean, no offense to Squadcast, you're amazing and all, but it's not <laughs> the same as like having someone like in the flesh, you know, but yeah, for sure. For sure. Oh, well, OK, so thank you so much. And I appreciate your time. You're always a, a wealth of information. So knowledgeable. And thank you. You know, you are. Where do people find more? I mean, I was going to say go to Next Health, but they can't. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, and, um, just go to my Instagram page, Darshan Shah MD, or the Next Health Instagram page, Next Health. Um, and from there, you can find out everything I have to say. Right. Because you have, you're, mm -hmm. you're, I've been watching you on your Instagram. It's like you have a lot of informative stuff on there, I've seen. So you're. Thanks. You're good. I know. I, I love it. I, when I, when I want to look for information, I go to your page now. Like what's going on now with COVID-19? COVID go find Darshan. I feel like really low budget because I have just this light that's on a, not even a tripod. It's, it's just kind of sitting on a box pointed at me right now. And, well, <laughs> and but, but, you know, I'm like, I, I better do something because right now I have, you know, I exactly. have and I want to get it out there. So I guess it doesn't matter if it's low budget, it's on there and hopefully people look and get I, It doesn't matter. If it's, I don't think people are expecting, <laughs> you know, uh, a Warner Brothers block, uh, you know, a movie right now or it's like a hundred million dollar budget. The fact <laughs> is like, you know, I think if you just have good information, people are just want to know that, you know, so nice. you have good information. And I've learned about the Pomodoro technique. Pomodoro technique. Pomodoro yes. dec I, I stopped writing because I was being, I wanted to be polite. But I'll I'll get it from you later, and I'll and and the ten thousand you know uh, step thing. I'm telling you, you're great. Um, <laughs> so thank you for coming on. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, and, no, this is so fun, Jen. It's always so fun to talk to you. You're you're, you're just you're just amazing, and uh, I, I love, I love all the stuff you're putting out there too. I mean, you're just just such a wealth of knowledge. You have so much great content. You talk to some amazing people, and I'm just humbled to be part of the group of people you're talking to. I don't feel worthy sometimes. Oh, be quiet. Yeah. You're like, you're just <laughs> as good as anybody else, if not more. Like I'm telling you, you're so knowledgeable. I mean, I don't want to even, I used, last time you came on the podcast, I went through all your accolades, but you're an overachiever times a thousand. And that's why when this whole thing happened, I'm like, there's no other doctor that 
what you're and not, this is like becoming like a whole missile you know, you're great oh you're great but what you what I, what I do love is that you're able to break down very difficult complicated things into very layman's terms and make it so people can understand it because i think a lot of times people don't even understand the basics of what people are talking about like what's an immune system you know and you've always been very good at just taking something that's a big, I, you know, something complicated and just dumbing it down with, with the last one that word <laughs> for people like me. So I appreciate it. Maybe it's because I'm trying to explain things to a six-year-old all day. Maybe that helps. <laughs> that, listen, that could help. And it's, you're doing a brilliant job. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, good. Um, be safe out there. And you if too. you ever have any questions, call me. I definitely will. Say hi to your wife for me. I will, for sure. Say hi to Noah. I will. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Habits and hustle, time to get it rolling. Stay up on the grind, don't stop, keep it going. Habits and hustle from nothing into something. All out, hosted by Jennifer Cohen. Visionaries, tune in, you can get to know them. Be inspired, this is your moment. Excuses, we ain't having that. The Habits and Hustle Podcast, powered by Habit Nest. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.